the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, jobs, 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 jobs seems to be the, imp- the thought that we are looking at on a regular basis. Whether it's jobs tied towards manufacturers, t- jobs tied towards service providers, jobs tied towards man- uh, construction, jobs tied towards government, ADP, private sector jobs, first Friday of every month jobs report, and cold weather. They don't necessarily mix terribly well. January was all about cold rain and snow with stock prices and some economic data as well. Old man winter has played a little bit of havoc with numbers. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Do we get fearful if numbers are weak? Or do we blame weather? A polar vortex sounds pretty powerful, right? Sounds like it needs its own movie. The day after, the day before the polar vortex. Stocks have drifted lower as we're waiting to really firm up some, what's, what's exactly happening with these, these jobs? So today we got another weak number. Bad data. Bad data is bad data. Now you want to look for trends before you, you know, lose your cool, but bad data is bad data. Only 175,000 workers were hired by private sector firms in the month of January. Expectations were 485,000, so that's a miss of about 10,000, miss of... It's not significant. It's not like the worst number we've ever seen, especially when the trend has been pretty good. But now we look for the manufacturing, uh, the supply management, this monthly survey of service sector, the ISM report coming out. And uh, that just hit. So I'll get to that probably this break and or next break. Let's see if I got it for you real quick case it's something that's working in your head in some way, shape, or form. ISM services better than feared, giving some support to the markets. After a visible manufacturing number, there was plenty of concern. Trying to squeeze out a reaction to it. Um, the ISM number better than expected. So that's, uh, I would say, or positive. 
you're seeing a beat of 54, reading versus expectations of 53. Um, selling on the long end of the Treasury is at its highest. Uh, the 10-year basically crept up to about 2.65, 2.65% on the 10-year Treasury. One stock that's getting murdered is 3D Systems. Uh, I've gotten more calls about 3D printers and more emails about 3D printers in the last month than I did two to three years ago when I talked about these stocks as a really, really cool technology. When I saw it shown that you can make a gun with a 3D printer on 60 Minutes two and a half years ago, I was like, that's interesting. That's going to be a story one day. And now you can make all sorts of things like prosthetic legs and such. So, okay, jobs, important. A little bit less important as the morning has gone on. Now, again, first Friday of every month, it's become really important again. There's another story out there today that you're saying, tell me. Puerto Rico's debt getting downgraded to junk. Now, Puerto Rico is the third largest issuer of, of bonds in the United States. That is a little bit of a surprise, right, in the municipal market? So, Puerto Rico going down has some negative implications because... Puerto Rico is one of those areas where securities underwriters have been able to make just an enormous amount of money printing debt. And that means it's pretty pervasive. When I tell you it's third largest in the nation, that tells you it's a pretty big size. That means that debt is in a lot of people's hands in a lot of various places. And a lot of people don't like downgrades to junk. So there's a little bit of a, that's kind of strangely bad news that I didn't see coming. If you would give me, what's the drug that's supposed to make you, like, have superior power and vision? Hiawatha? Hiawaska? If you'd give me Hiawaska at the beginning of the year, um, I probably wouldn't have come up with the full powerful knowledge that Puerto Rico debt could become a problem for the markets to have to negotiate. Google, they awarded their... Chairman of the board, $106 million in stocks and cash. That almost deserves another great Google Google, because that's a lot. $100 million in stock and $6 million in cash for a chairman? For a chairman? Oh, like, seriously, give me a board seat on Google. Like, I'll, I'll sit in the toilet. I'll be, the, like, the head of the board of, of wiping. I'll, I'll be the royal wiper. $106 million? Wow. Now, he's one of the wealthiest people in the world. He's got a net worth of about $8.3 billion. Dr. Eric Schmidt, as I used to call him, used to work at a little company that you might have heard of called Sun Microsystems. They collapsed. He then went to a company called Novell. Now, when he was at Sun Micro, he got out when the stock was at an all-time high. He was sought after. He was wanted. He went to a Novell. And the Novell once made an operating system to compete with Microsoft. Uh, no one remembers it. It's been left in the, uh, in the hallways of technology for years and years and years and years and years. It's not important. Um, so Novell, not really a player. But he goes there and he takes that stock from about 4 or $5 to about $16. Google comes along. He jumps on that ship. You can see that he's got a history of going to great places. Now, he's kind of an interesting dude. He's got a wife, but he's also got a girlfriend. And I basically think, from reading articles about him, he's just like, everyone needs to deal with this. Everyone needs to deal with this. And I'm like, 
I don't know if he's like my personal hero or if he's got no moral compass. I don't know. I don't know. J.P. Morgan's going to pay $614 million over mortgage lending problems tied towards giving unqualified home mortgage loans. Um, but basically using the government is part of the, the, the process. So that is, believe it or not, good news. Um, I don't know if you've ever done anything wrong. But waiting for knowing the charges or waiting for knowing what, how dads can react is the worst part. I could take the beating. You know, if dad's going to spank me, fine. Let's just get it over with. Let's not let me sit there and think about it. So J.P. Morgan Chase is actually up today. You skip, find $614 million. You get to put it behind you. And you know what? As a parent, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to tell your children, you know what? You did something wrong. Now put it behind you and move forward. I know you're saying that's a weird pull. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be a day of weird pulls, I think. CVS is going to stop selling tobacco. Big deal. You're talking about an industry that sells, what, $560 billion? Something crazy like that? Uh, so this is really, really small. In the United States, $554 billion. So they're going to lose about $1.5 billion from CVS. I think the smokers will go elsewhere to get their fix. For CVS, it's always been very hyper, hypercritical to say, here's a health store where you can buy cigarettes. It makes no sense. In the United States, it makes no sense. In Indonesia, if you were going to pull tobacco from the shelves, I'd be fearful for the tobacco companies. Smoking in the U.S. is in a decline. World markets still growing. That may change, and it probably will in our lifetime. You can find me online at robblack.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show. For the third time in four days from Bloomberg. Free zone. These guys have made no mistakes. Get a minute. Com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back again. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Money, investing, and more. How are you today? Um, anything you want to talk about? Uh, it could be anything. Seriously. That's my goal on this show. Buffalo Wild Wings was in the news today, and they reported some pretty raunchy numbers. And when I say raunchy, just not really good. It's probably the fairest way of saying that. And the whole sector got hit. So Buffalo Wild Wings down 6%. Ruth's Chris 
um, Yum Brands, Sonic, Krispy Kreme, Starbucks, Darden Restaurants, uh, Panera, Cheesecake Factory, Chipotle, McDonald's, Brinker, Wendy's, all got hit. And that's the way it goes. That's the way the... uh, how, How do you say this? Sometimes when one company throws out really bad earnings guidance, it brings the whole sector down for the quick service restaurant industry. So it could create a buying opportunity. It may or may not. I don't know. But I just threw out every restaurant name publicly traded that I could think of. There's probably four or five more, but I just threw out 12 or 13 of them. So you should always have a shopping type list in your head just in case Buffalo Wild Wings, which you may or may not like, hurts Starbucks, which you do like. To get your calls in the air, it's 800-516-1220. It's red out there. It's uh, not looking good. The jobs report was eh. SP 500 is down 13, the Dow is down 68, the NASDAQ down 51. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. The first time home buyer is an intimidating process. First and foremost, like you have to figure out how much can I afford and where should I buy and what's a good house, what's a bad house. Because trust me, the lessons you learn in life are from experience, they're not from books that you read. In my opinion, even if it's books by someone who's experienced it, I don't think you're getting what you need to know. What I'm looking for in the next home I buy is different than what I'm looking for in the last home that I bought, which is different than the first home I bought. Uh, let's talk about that first-time home buyer, the virgin. What do we need to know about the virgin home buyer? Well, it's intimidating. Okay. It's the largest purchase you'll ever make for most people. Right. Um, you start early, get pre-approved. I think that's definitely the first thing you do. And part of that, you're going to look at your credit. You're going to see if there's anything wrong with it, if you need to make some improvements or pay off some debt. Um, and a lot of people sometimes, they, you know, I worked with some buyers that took six years before they bought. And we had a plan, and, you know, fixing their credit. We need a little bit more income. They were self-employed, so they were writing off too much on their Schedule C. And it wasn't really transposing over uh, better. Of course, self-employed, they used to have the stated income. So there's a lot of products that are gone that first-time home buyers used to use to help qualify. Um, and there's some of those are coming back, just so you know. I'm going to give a, a little bit of um, light down the end of the tunnel. Uh, some portfolio lenders are offering what they call start, uh, te- not start rate uh, qualifiers is what they're called. Okay. Um, in the past, they used to add two percentage points to what they call the qualifying rate. So there's some new products coming out. So there is a light at the end of the tunnel. But definitely look at your credit. Be open-minded as well. And you, you may not be able to buy in the area you're looking at because it's too expensive. Uh, and there's a reason why it's too expensive because that's where people want to live. So... You know, you may have to have a starter home. You may have to buy a condo or a townhouse and if you want to stay in that area or buy a single family somewhere farther out. And then you got to look at, am I near a, a mass transit? Can I really handle driving an hour to work uh, one way? Um, but start, starting early is probably the first thing that I would really uh, want to tell these people that are looking to buy a house um, and get in front of professionals and don't trust everybody that you run into. There's a lot of information on the internet that's going to confuse you. Right. Um, that's well, a whole other topic in itself. Let's stick with the professionals one that you can't always trust people. That's the frustrated one because honestly, I can meet 10 realtors today. I don't like them all personally, but professionally, I'll like two or three of them. And that's a problem with people because we tend to not fall in love, but we tend to go with our, and, our and it's, emotions. Yeah, and it's not just with the finding a realtor. It's finding the right um, uh, loan source. 
whether you're going to the Internet or you're going to go to your bank where you have your checking and savings or you're going to go to a broker or you're going to a banker or you're going to a, a you know, who are you going to? And the frustration there is that you don't know who to trust. Um, the Internet's going to tell you who to trust and you don't know if you can trust them. And there's so many websites out there that are going to confuse you. And that, I think that that's probably one of the things that we're, the industry has changed the most in is that just like it did in the car business, um, that the industry is not keeping up as fast as the Internet is. Um, there's uh, the, the best way to do it is, to, in my opinion, is go to a broker that has multiple sources. So they run your credit once and they can fit your product into one of the lenders that they work with, as opposed to going to a bank um, where you might have to shop several different banks just to find the bank that fits your scenario. So that's what I would do. I see a lot of people making the mistake of shopping loans where they think if I contact another lender, he's going to give me another rate or a different rate. And they might, but they might be just teasing you just to get you in the door. You want to shop, you want to really shop a lender first of someone you could trust and someone who's got good referrals and someone who has right. the ability to go out and shop other loans for you and not just offer a prepackage instead of trying to, you know, randomly get lucky because when you try to randomly get lucky, they see that you've had a credit report pulled by another lender and they say, "Yes, Mr. Black, whatever you say, Mr. Black, I've got this great loan for you, Mr. Black." comes time to sign, you're like, what are these fees? We didn't talk about these. Or, you know, you get higher fees but lower rates, or you get higher yeah, rates yeah, and lower Granted, fees. there are some many, many, many new rules that are protect, that are set up to protect the buyer. Yeah. Um, they're not always executed the way they're supposed to and used to, to help the borrower. As a matter of fact, there are, there are uh, <laughs> some lenders actually came to us and told us how we can use the new rules to confuse the borrower and, and use it in our advantage. And we're like, what are you talking about? Um, it, it's crazy how the industry is really trying to adapt to what the Fed is trying to mandate here. Um, and it, it makes it even more confusing in what the, the, the buyer, especially the first-time home buyer, is supposed to expect out of the transaction. Sounds good. It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. You'll just Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. You can find me online at RobBlack.com. Will the Dinobots save the Transformers franchise? Believe it or not, that's a business story. But first and foremost, let's go to Saul in San Ramon. Saul? Hey, Rob. How are you doing? Doing well. Good. Hey, uh, I wanted to talk to you about two things. Uh, first of all, since I listened to your show, uh, I just recently uh, upped my uh, contributions to my 401k to 20%. Uh, I want to thank you for uh Making me uh, look at, look into my 401k and uh, you took too much time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You took too much time getting to your question. Always get to the question fast. I'm gonna have to put you on hold. Come back after break. You're the Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. 800-516-1220. Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. So I was talking to my producer during the commercial break. And uh, Transformers is getting ready to reboot. Having done away with the I'm not famous anymore Shia LaBeouf. And Transformers is rebooting with robots. Well, not just the cars that turn into robots, but dinosaurs. 
Dinobots. And strangely, I find this fascinating because there's obviously going to be a lot of uh, play from Mattel or anyone who's manufacturing the toys. Dinobots get to bot out. They get to fight in robot mode, much like the evil Decepticons. Despite being Autobots by nature, they're slightly different. They're built um, to be more fighters and to be more independent and to pursue their own aims. They don't have to necessarily take over the world. So they're wild cards. I know you're saying you're way overthinking this. Um, yeah, it's just a franchise. Now do you see where I'm going at with it? A $3 billion franchise. That's all I got for you. Everything is a product. Let's go to a phone call. Let's go back to a phone call. Saul, you're in San Ramon. Saul? Hey, Rob. So what's on your mind? Hey. Oh, no, I just wanted to, uh, to again, uh, uh, I just upped my uh, contribution to 20%, and I wanted to thank you. Uh, from the day I started listening to you, I uh, just, you know, started putting more of an emphasis on that. And I wanted to tell you about a commercial. I was listening to your podcast this morning from yesterday's show, and you were Subway sandwich that has Fritos crushed into it. Sure. I just didn't know if you had seen the Jack in the Box commercial that has uh, uh, bacon in the ground beef patty already and uh, bacon mat on a bruschetta bread, on a bruschetta uh, bun, uh, the, ham- the new hamburger at Jack in the Box. I know you're quite a food snob, so I just didn't know if you had seen the uh, the commercial. I just Wanted to call and tell you that and to thank you again for, uh, you know, just making me uh, put a little more conscious effort into my 401k. Saul, your heart is in the right place um, by saying thank you about the 401k concept or thoughts. I appreciate that. Um, I think what you're kind of getting at, and I appreciate the call, is that fast food sucks. And I am kind of a food snob, and I mean fast food sucks to me. It just I've lost all desire for it. Um, eating fried food will kill you fast, um, than, faster than you need to. There is an angle out there that is interesting to study. Uh, Wendy's, obviously, everyone knows the company, Wendy's Restaurants. Last year, you probably know them from their Frosties, maybe a, a little bit better quality food than, say, the typical fast food restaurant. Uh, last year, the stock at Wendy's went from 5 dollars a share to where it is now, $9 a share in the last 52 weeks. Uh, why? Because of pretzel dough. So the fast food companies, franchises, which goes back to Dinobots, Transformers, more than meets the eye. Um, what was that? So, yeah, the fast food, they have to like dress things up. They have to get a little bit of sex appeal. Now, again, if anyone finds me in a, in a subway, I'm throwing down $10,000. I said that about Radio Shack. I'll give you $10,000 if you ever spot me in a, uh, a Radio Shack. Now, they're closing 500 stores. You know, I think Radio Shack's future is to be acquired by somebody else. But, again, I'm not a betting man on that. I just think all they have is really a location. Now, if you need a transistor for your transistor radio, where will you go? But who's got a transistor radio anymore, Right. I haven't been in a Radio Shack in 20 years. So that commercial on the Super Bowl where the 80s characters all come back, you know, the Hulk Hogan's, the Mr. T's, all raid the store and take their stuff back, I think that's fantastic. Uh, 
one of the things I recently saw was an old ad for Radio Shack. And it, on the front of it, there was like a pager. There was a TRS-80 computer, $2,000. There was um, cell phones, printers. And if you added everything up, it was like $6,000, which today would be all worth less than total $600. Um, so I don't... Anyway, I'm digressing. But yeah, you know, bringing up that concept of throwing Fritos on a sandwich, it's ridiculous. And whatever you said about Jack in the Box, what they're doing with bacon in the bread or something, or I don't even know. All I can tell you is uh, it's tricks to get you in. On Friday, I'm going to be speaking with Josiah Sloan, um, chef of Saint-Sauvie. And I hope he gets the message across, or he helps me get the message across, about what's happening in the food industry. Again, there's certain things you can't hide from. We sleep eight hours a day. That's a third of our life, right? We have to eat food. That There's investment right there. We have to drink water. There's investment right there. Um, I'll go 30 days without food. I, I can't go three days without water. So, and again, I'm probably not going 30 days without food. But you get the idea. Something I got yesterday, and it just kind of made me sad, was a body mass index calculator. I don't know if you've ever played with one, but it's not very nice. It doesn't say nice things to you. Um, the S&P 500 is down 10. The Dow is down 36. The NASDAQ down 44. I think we're in full-blown kind of fear mode. Even though we saw statistics that came out this morning just 40 minutes ago, that the services growth index quickened in January. And yet, people are fearful. And that's fine. That's fine. I like seeing sectors crash because it it, it gets out some of the froth. I like seeing markets pull back because it takes out some of the genius that you think you might have. 3D printing stocks are getting crushed today. Now, 3D Systems is off 27%. They lowered their expectations for earnings. And if you get... get, I've got a dentist. I know you're saying, you have a dentist? Yes, I'm kind of a big deal. People know me. So I have a dentist, and uh, he was showing me a video of how he mills teeth. I've always been fascinated that, you know, like a veneer costs 1000 bucks and a crown costs 3000 bucks and a new tooth, in case you ever fracture a tooth, costs like $6,000. That whole process is just crazy overpriced to me. Like... And I've always been fascinated, like, why hasn't insurance really made any headway in this area? Um, it hasn't really. It, it, the, the PPO, the HMO stuff that you get for dental is, is pretty weak. Um, and the cosmetic side of the industry is really, really expensive. But it used to be that he could send out, like, you'd have a cracked tooth and he'd take a mold of it and he'd send that out to, to his lab and he would always say, it's my lab. And lab to me sounds like, um, I don't even, I'm not going to say it because it's going to sound racist. Uh, but, and he charged like three, dollars $4,000 because it went to his lab. And now his lab is in the back of his own, you know, practice. Where he gets a mold of your tooth, he puts it into a CAD system, you know, a 3D print imaging system. Zip, zip, zang, zing, zoom, zoom. You've got a new tooth. And he gets all that money. The lab doesn't get it anymore. So 3D Systems getting crushed today, and I love that. Again, this is a stock I pointed out to you, and I kind of recommended it in my what was called my Super Secret Podcast. 
which you can get at Apple iTunes under Rob Black and Your Money. Um, R&D spending increases, trying to close the gap. And all the company did was they said our earnings are going to come in somewhere between 73 cents to 85 cents. Wall Street was expecting a buck 30. So they're missing by 50%. Not quite 50%, but close. Now, last month, Credit Suisse downgraded 3D stocks on concerns about losing market share to rival Stratasys. 3D systems, ticker symbol TDDD or DDDD. Um, DDD. DDD. Yes. Um, so the company says they've got substantial R&D spending increases to try to close the gap with competition. All 3D stocks are getting hit on this. And that's how that whole thing works. What if, they, what if there's a price war now? That's crazy. So CVS comes out and says that they're cutting down on selling cigarettes, right? Now, in the United States, that's spit in the bucket. They have somewhere between $1.5 to $2 billion in sales of cigarettes. Now, it's a great move. CVS, in theory, is a healthcare company, and selling cancer is kind of crazy. I think you're going to see smokers go elsewhere, so it's not going to directly crush tobacco companies in the United States. But it is a message, and if anyone else signs on to it, it's going to become a bigger concern. I think a bigger concern is that politicians love taxing cigarettes. You know, you can get a pack of cigarettes, I'm not making this up, in the city of New York, and I don't know when was the last time you bought a pack of cigarettes, 11 or 12 bucks. Because the city of New York says, you know, let's tax those dirty smokers. Because people who don't smoke are like, yeah, tax them. But did you know... Smoking costs businesses bigness. Smokers cost business employers big money, $5,800 a year. Ohio State University did a study. Workers who smoke basically individually cost their employers $5,800 a year. It could range from roughly $2,800 a year to $10,125, but they blend that together. There's a lot of productivity loss to smoking breaks. Oh, I can't get a smoking break. There's healthcare expenses in excess of what non-smokers end up paying. Um, so smoke breaks are about three thousand seventy-seven dollars a year of lost labor. Of excess absenteeism, maybe they're coughing up a lung this morning and decide to stay home. Five hundred seventeen dollars. Reduced productivity as a result of addiction to nicotine. Four hundred sixty-two bucks. Extra healthcare cost by self-insured employers. Another $2,056 a year. You're going to see a big move from our healthcare companies to demonize smokers. Get your calls in the air. It's Rob Black and Your Money. 800-516-1220. Berg's Michael McKee. The question is, did the weather influence this report and did the weather... That's a Bloomberg Market Minute. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. With great power comes great responsibility. Superman once taught me that, right? 
Justin Bieber is blowing it. In this case, probably literally. According to sources out there, Justin Bieber and his father were extremely abusive to a flight attendant as their private jet flew from Canada to New Jersey on Friday, forcing her to take refuge in the cockpit by request of the pilot. The ten friends that were traveling with Bieber were smoking so much marijuana in the private Gulfstream that the pilots had to wear oxygen masks. He warned the passengers to stop their harassing behavior and told them to stop smoking dope. But nope. <laughs> it's a pressurized cabin said he was forced to wear an oxygen mask during the flight. He can't really risk inhaling too much marijuana and then failing a drug test, losing his license. Um, I don't know. It, can we just deport this guy? If there's ever a reason to put someone to death, isn't his behavior, like, making you think now's the time to do it? It's 130% true. Bieber was watching Super Bowl, but of course, from a private suite. Didn't really know who owned the luxury box, but that's what he did, and that's why he was in Jersey. So, something bad's going to happen, right? Let's go to Peter and San Matteo. Hey, how are you, Rob? Doing well. Congratulations on San Mateo. Thanks. And San Carlos to you. Hey, yeah. What, what's your opinion on uh, AT&T? It's dropped about 20% from its 52-week high. Pays a nice dividend. Long-term, 5, 10 years. Probably closer to 10 years. What are your thoughts on that stock? It's like a good woman with good birthing hips and nice teeth. It's good. It's solid. You can keep it around for a long period of time. Um, AT&T has struggled since hitting its 52-week high of about 39. It's now at 32. Um, and I, I think it's fair to say that they slashed their data prices last week, and that's a concern. And thanks for the call. They've got a nice dividend of 5.5%, and that's kind of what I was jokingly doing a comparable to birthing hips um, and good teeth, uh, which is how men used to judge women 100 years ago to see if they'd make good babies. Uh, This is an old company. This is not a young company. It's not sexy. It's not going to do a lot of fun things for you. You know, the legion of boom. T-Mobile is trying to change the mobile industry pretty aggressively. Um, AT&T, which is an Olympic sponsor, comes out today and condemns Russia's anti-gay law. And uh, that's going to be an interesting Olympics. I'm, I'm sensing this is going to be a very, very interesting Olympics. A um, couple things on AT&T. Big fat dividend. I can't lie. I like a big fat dividend. Some guys like blondes. Some guys like tall. Some guys like sh- I like a big fat dividend. There's nothing wrong with getting paid to hold a stock. Nothing. In fact, it's kind of nice. So they're going to be speaking at a J.P. Morgan conference coming up. That dividend is going to protect some downside as people go, holy shnikes. Now, they announced last week that they're going to cut a data plan to, like, family of four. You get 10 gigs of data you for 160 bucks a month. And that same plan is, like, 240 at Verizon. They're trying to contend with Sprint. They're trying to contend with T-Mobile. Um, I think the future is pretty good for AT&T. Not glorious, but pretty good. They're now starting to show you cars that can do some pretty cool things. Did you see the Super Bowl commercial where the dad keeps saving his kid? It was my favorite commercial of the Super Bowl. 
So his kid's like um, walking and he trips as a, as a toddler and he's about to crack his head on the sidewalk. His dad saves him. The kid's running to catch a frisbee and he's about to run into the barbecue which has big searing flames and his dad saves him. Then his kid's 16 and he's driving in a car and I don't even know what car it is, but he's looking at this just incredibly stunningly beautiful woman. And he's paying attention to her, paying attention to her, and the car cuts him off, and the car saves him. It automatically breaks. There was something mentioned this week about transponders being put in every car so cars can start talking to each other. And we're going to have we're going to have cars that drive by themselves. It's going to start happening in 2015 through 2020. It's going to become more and more of a feature. In this case, the car will look, according to the commercial, and this car is already sold. It sees that there's a big wall in front of you, another car stopped, a rock, whatever, and it stops your vehicle from hitting it. It automatically puts on the brakes for you. Now, that needs telecommunications. Long story short, um, AM radio is under assault from FM radio for hundreds of years. Not hundreds of years. I'm exaggerating. Uh, Let's call it 50 years. Let's call it 60 years. Satellite radio is going to change the whole radio industry. No, satellite radio is too narrow, Casty. Too narrow. So the broadcast industry survived that. You know, some people do want their Howard Stern, and it's very narrow, but they'll pay for that Howard Stern. Some people want their religious programming, so they'll pay for that broadcast radio. Some people want their 80s music, so they'll pay for that very narrow niche. In your cars next year and this year, you're going to start seeing 4G subscriptions sold. And you're going to burn through a lot more data than just 10 gigs a month. Um, I saw today that Cisco announced, and I hope I can find this fast enough, and I bet you I can't. Um, Cisco announced some new data on how much we're going to be consuming in bandwidth. Oh, anger myself. I had the... Cisco data revenue in the news. Um, and I don't have it. Cisco data revenue. Sites data center wireless for revenue increase. Anyway, uh, I don't have it. Basically, it sounded like we're going to be consuming more and more data faster. So AT&T, I think, is fine. Verizon, I think, is a sexier telecom company. Price wars are fearful, something we fear, but I don't see anything inherently wrong with AT&T. Nice income play, not a lot of growth. I'm Rob Black. Hey, padres de hijos con asma, aquí están los Respira Fácil con otro de tus hits favoritos. No fumes en casa, no fumes en el carro, no fumes en casa. Prevenir los ataques de asma puede ser tan simple como hacer que tu casa y tu carro sean zonas libres de humo. Y para nuestro próximo pedido, ¡wow! Esto sí que es una sorpresa. Los respira fácil con otro de sus hits. ¡Aspira el piso! Aspira el piso. 
Limpia el piso para mantener tu casa libre de polvo, caspa de animales domésticos y ácaros. Para más información de cómo prevenir los ataques de asma, visita noattack.org. Un mensaje de Limpia es el Ad Council. Good morning, I'm Chuck Kamlick, CNBC Radio. The Dow down 57, the Nasdaq down 46. Traders did not like the news from ADP that fewer new jobs were added last month than had been expected. However, most of those jobs added were in the services sector of the economy, 160,000 to be exact. Uh, that did little, though, to uh, salve the wounds that Wall Street's feeling over that ADP report and the economy in general. CVS down 1% on news it'll stop selling all tobacco products, a move that will cost it $2 billion a year in sales. Rival Walgreens up 2% of the news. Radio Shack 2% lower, closing 500 of its stores. That runs counter to its Super Bowl ad, which showed its stores being brought up to date, not closed. Sony close to selling its vile computer business. That stock's down 2%. Even Netflix is 1% lower today. Netflix said this morning it has signed up for a third season of its hit show, House of Cards. The second season does not premiere yet until Valentine's Day. Chuck Kamlick, CNBC Radio. Strategies and solutions. The bottom line. Welcome in. Hello. Rob Black and your money. It's my creepy voice. Hi, everyone. Why don't you just sit down and... <laughs> I can't do it. can't do it. Oh, my. Um, Buffalo Wild Wings is in the news. So they beat on bottom line. They were a little light on top. And, again, that sounds weird to some people, and some people instantly know what I'm talking about. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings is something that you almost want to debate because it's a stock that you're like, is that really publicly traded? Companies trying out some new concepts. Companies trying out some new international designs. You know, it's a story stock. It is a company that we kind of all know. I think most of us have been to one. You might have, like, I don't know, got trapped at one. But their outlook or their guidance helped bring them down 6% today. Now, this is the wild part about Wall Street. And again... This is a company that sells chicken, which is cheaper than selling meat. It's a cheaper food grab. The lower cost per pound for traditional chicken wings. Plus, they get the volume, volume, volume of it. Um, they've got some franchise locations. They've, so they've got some like different things going on in their earnings, which doesn't always make it easy to look at. But they've got a concept as well. Here's their concept. Wings. Beer, sports. Now, you can throw in the word sex and maybe pizza, and that's all men need to survive. Wings, beer, sports, sex, pizza. So they got three of them. And you could probably even drop pizza for most men in America. Now, again, I'm not speaking for all men in America, and I know that. So talking a little bit about this and, you know, thinking about it, their quick service restaurant 
takes a little bit of a hit, right? What's to note about this is there's when they say we see lower expectations, they've been a success story. When they say lower your guidance on us, they've been a success story, okay? So we got to start kind of with that in our head. Um, and again, there's a lot of them. And since they're franchised, it makes it very, very difficult to, you know, say that they're going to be around forever and ever. But when they give bad guidance, let me give you an example of what that means. Uh, BWLD. I'm analyzing stocks on the fly for you. Ladies and gentlemen, Rob Black, I'll be here all night for you. Um, their business model remains poised to perform well in both good and bad times. They attract a broad consumer audience with that entertainment focus. Um, I got stuck in Portland once, and the hotel there was only the hotel didn't serve food, and there was only one thing within walking distance. Um, so the company thinks that they can have mid-single-digit comparisons. They still see good growth of 10%. They still see sharply lower average wing cost. They see reduced operating costs. You know, there's a lot of positives there. But there's very limited upside for the shares. It's very expensively priced. In the end, they sell chicken wings and beer and sports. I was going to say sex, but I was like, "Uh uh-oh, that'll get me sued. But you start looking at some of the other companies in this space, too. So it's all about comparison. Does that make sense? So... In the end, is there a big difference between McDonald's and Buffalo Wild Wings? No, they're going for the consumer who eats their food. It's got a PE of 35 times earnings for this year. The stock market has a PE of 15 times earnings. So if I were to tell you, buy American capitalism for 15 times earnings or buy Buffalo Wild Wings for 35 times earnings, you'd be like, wow, I'm paying double for the growth that these guys give me versus the growth that the S&P 500 doesn't. Keep in mind, the S&P 500 earnings this season aren't that bad. They're actually pretty good. So I'm going to take a look at a choice. There's a Mexican restaurant theme coming out of Texas that they're expanding pretty aggressively. Half billion dollar company. Ruth's Crisp Steakhouse, ticker symbol Ruth. Um, they're trading 19 times earnings. So maybe I'm going to go, okay, Ruth's looks a little bit better to me than, say, Buffalo Wild Wings. But then again, you're talking about steaks and meat, and drought kind of tends to mess that one up. Okay, okay let's go with Potbelly, the... the the playoff uh, subway that is doing pretty well, the IPO'd at 31. Oh, my God, they went to 21? In three months, they've gone from 31 to 21? Ooh, let's, let's sit that IPO out till it's a year old. You start looking at Jack in the Box. Jack in the Box sells at 43 times, next year's, uh, 43 times this year's earnings. And you're almost like, I need to see why. Because Jack in the Box is a pretty mature company. Maybe they've got a charge that's getting ready to come off. Yum Brands, 60-plus percent of their business is coming from Asia, China, and they're rocking and rolling in China. Now, they have some bad quarters. Chinese government tends to do things to American companies. It's pretty despicable. Um, China's not the easiest country to do business in, and Yum Brands is doing it as well as you can. Next to Starbucks, I can't imagine a better play on China that keeps you U.S. dollar-based centric with an eye on a company you can follow and trust the reports that come out of it. On occasion, there'll be a, a bogus report. But Sonic, ticker symbol S-O-N-C, they trade at 25 times earnings. Krispy Kreme trades at 46 times earnings. That stock has recently gone from 25 down to 15. Why? So what I'm trying to get at is Buffalo Wild Wings 
giving bad guidance. They're basically saying people are tightening their belt. Ruby Tuesdays, which is probably, I don't know. That food's just so bland, isn't it? Am I that much of a food snob? If you want to send me an email and say I'm that much of a, a snob, that's fine. Uh, Starbucks? Now there's a company I can get behind. But when you look at Starbucks, it's, it's also expensive. But 52-week high of 80, now it's at 70. Come on, stock market correction. Come on, stock market correction. I want more Starbucks. But it, it, it's expensive, and I know that. So when am I going to get the price that I want? Maybe never. It trades at 20 times next year's earnings. So now Starbucks is starting to look a little bit more attractive to me than, say, Buffalo Wild Wings. Although, I get it. Um, so BJ's Restaurants? I know you're saying, who doesn't love BJ's, right? You go in, beer, pizza, uh, tasty, overly fatty food. At least they keep their food fatty, so it tastes good. And they keep their beer fresh. So there's all these different types of stocks, like Panera. One thing Panera did, like, come into our restaurant. We've got great quality food. and Use our Wi-Fi. We don't care. Um, So there's a lot of business meetings that go on at Starbucks and Panera, in large part because you can sit there and chat, and they don't care. Cheesecake Factory is out there trading at 22 times this year's earnings. Again, keep in mind, this whole story goes back to the valuation problems that are being hit by Buffalo Wild Wings. They're trading at 35 times earnings. Now, which would I rather own, someone who's trading at 35 or someone who's trading at 30? It depends on how much growth I have to give up. Right? Cheesecake Factory trades at 22 times. Eh, not that interested. Chipotle Mexican Girl, fresh food. Maybe that's the one. So the point of the segment is you have to learn to compare companies. See what you're getting in growth. See what you're getting in value. See if they have a dividend. See what their strategies are. See how foolproof they are in an economic recession. You're listening to Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. With United Way, you could tutor me. Be my man. Could be you. Another move lower for stocks. Down for the third time in four days. From. Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Are we having fun yet? Who wants to go? Who wants to go to the Paul Welker uh, race? Co- no, no, no. Let's see. Hmm. Who wants to go to the Paul Welker? No, no. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Here we go. Okay, are we having fun yet? Who wants to go to the Paul Walker? Um, um, no, no. Who wants to go go-karting at the Paul Walker Race Course in L.A.? Ooh. <laughs> Never, ever drive with your financial advisor. Well, that's my advice. Okay, so the SP 500 is down 11, the Dow is down 47, the NASDAQ down 46. Last segment, I kind of got lost trying to explain to you the quick service restaurant industry. And that's just one sector of the S&P 500. You know, it's just one play. And again, there's tech stocks. And then in tech stocks, there's software companies, there's hardware companies, there's services companies. 
There's semiconductor companies. There's semiconductor equipment companies. This gets complicated pretty fast. A company that we know and we kind of love, Apple's become this kind of crazy value stock. Crazy value. Everyone wants Apple to become its hyper-growth company again. 3D Systems was a hyper-growth company that now is going to be a growth company. It's going to have good numbers, but it ain't going to be hyper-growth ever, never, ever again. No matter what happens, that little spurt of testosterone that I had from age 16 to 25 is gone. It will never, ever be there again. I will not feel the raging madness going through my veins, even though I want to. Hypergrowth becomes growth. Growth becomes growth and income. Growth and income becomes income or value. Netflix is a company that's $23 billion. It's worth $23 billion right now. Okay? One of their competitors is HBO. Time Warner is worth $56 billion. Now, Time Warner's been around a long time, and they've got a lot of assets. A lot of old movies, a lot of movies, a lot of production qualities. But generally speaking, they're still a broadcaster, whereas Netflix is more of a streamer. But here's something kind of interesting, and it just goes to show you that sometimes we can give a ridiculous valuation to something. And when I say ridiculous, I'm saying ridiculous. And we're saying, okay, Netflix, stay hyper-growth for me for a little bit longer. And keep in mind, Twitter's going to report tonight. And we don't even care about earnings. Twitter, we want them to lose a lot of money. We don't even, we, if they were to earn money, people would be angry at the company. Because you're supposed to be hyper-growth. Go over there and do hyper-growth things. It's like, I don't expect an 18-year-old boy to have a million dollars saved. And if I, he did, I'd be like, what happened here? Netflix is at war with HBO. We know that war is coming. And it kind of looks like white vampires in snow, but I'm not quite sure. But we know the war is coming. The winter war is coming. Time Warner just released its earnings, and they talked a little bit about HBO. Now, again, HBO fights with Netflix, right? H- Time Warner's a little bit, you know, a couple more billion dollar valuation than Netflix. Last year, the cable network's revenue rose 4% to $4.9 billion. Now, how is that possible? You stop and think about HBO, and you're like, how did they make $4.9 billion? There's not that many subscribers to HBO in the United States. That's right. That's the rub. It's an international play. According to operated income, operating income that they reported, they earned $1.7 billion. Now, that's pretty darn financially healthy. And with HBO, you've got the Sopranos. You've got Sex and the City, which some people have seen every episode ten times, which I don't quite get because Sarah Jessica Parker has a horsey face. Oh, that's that—that's no, that's her friend who has the donkey face. Oh, there's Sarah. She's chiming in. You know, she's mad at Chris Christie. Do we care who she's mad at? I don't. I just wish she'd go away because she scares me and small children. So anyway, HBO, the cable network, is financially healthy. It's got a lot of original shows. It's got a lot of subscribers. It's got a lot of product from the past. Have you seen The Wire? Okay, the guy dies in the end. But it's nine seasons of incredible television. And literally, this is incredible television. Have you seen what is on Netflix? It's Caillou, about this Canadian whiny two-year-old toddler. 
Man, I want to go out today. It's raining, Caillou. You can't go out today. But, man. Now, that's the little kid I love, Cartman. Again, Comedy Central, that's when you're starting to talk about the the power of the Universals and the power of the Time Warners. It's, you will respect my authority. You will respect my authority. I have to say that on a regular basis. Uh, so anyway, Netflix made $4.3 billion in revenue last year. That's paltry compared to what HBO can do in earnings. Now, will it always be this way? Netflix CEO Reed Hastings has always made it clear that premium channels like HBO are his primary target. He mocked HBO over shared passwords last week, famously passed HBO's subscriber base at the end of last year. He wants to brag about all of his subscribers, but HBO is making a lot more money. And in the end, as Jerry Maguire once lovingly referringly said, who Jerry Maguire is based off Lee Steinberg, and the show me the money... Um, comes down to respect. And I respect that earnings of HBO. I do. Netflix is cute, and I like it, and you can make a lot of money with it. I think streaming is going to grow and grow and grow. But let's not confuse the very little amount of money that Netflix is able to make at this point in time versus the billion-dollar-plus that HBO is able to print. A lot of HBO's products are so good... I think we'd probably have our kids watch them. You know, you really want to see one of the best uh, TV shows of all time? Here, Junior, watch The Sopranos. Go watch this and tell me if it's not the best. Okay, The Fade to Black was a little disappointing. But, what a show. Right? So, learn to think this way. Investing is all about product. And yeah, Netflix has got great revenue. Growth, that's stunning. And yes, they do have... A wonderful future. But the earnings really aren't there. And you can't convince me otherwise. The S&P 500 is down 8. The Dow is down 23. The NASDAQ down 38. Uh, we are kind of playing with, like, are we going to correct here? Correction is 10% from all t- recent highs. That would be normal. It would be healthy. Will we do it? Don't know. I see one of the winners today is J.C. Penney's, and I'm like, what's wrong with the world? What is wrong with the world? I see CVS banning tobacco as, eh, no big deal. There's really not a lot of growth in cigarettes in the United States. I'm actually happy CVS is doing it, because I don't want to be around people who smoke more often than not. So that gives me maybe a reason to go into a CVS. Is there nothing worse than the person who's trying to explain to someone who has no clue what pack of cigarettes are? No, 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 the lime green ones with the gold wrapping. No, 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 it's down three. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. I'm not black. Coming up, I got an economist, Dr. Jeff Rosen, joining me. He's the best. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Joining me now, 
Dr. Jeff Rosen, ChiefEconomistBriefing.com. How are you today, Mr. Rosen? Oh, I'm pretty good. How's the economy? Um, not too much different than where I thought it was a couple months ago. And I think that a lot of people were expecting, you know, strong growth heading into the year. You know, you're getting people trying to wishy-wash it away, saying it's poor weather. And I've been looking at the data for the last, you know, six months, and it, to me it seemed like you were having a run-up to the end of the year, you know, which is normal for the last few years, and then slow down once the beginning of the year starts, which is what we're seeing in the data. So I, I don't know. Um, I think it was that you know too much optimism you know, heading into the year, and now the optimism is fading, and you're getting into the regular cyclical moves that we've been seeing, you know, really since 2011. It seemed that the market took, uh, I guess, a negative tone when ADP, ADP came out with private payroll sector job report this morning. Then there was a services report that maybe had some more jobs in it. Then there's a manufacturing report last week that didn't have some jobs in it. It seems like every report we're just looking for jobs. Is that fair? Yeah, because jobs is the you know direct coincident indicator of how the economy is performing. You know, if if someone has a job, that means they have income. If they have income, that means that they're spending. If they're spending, that means companies can grow. So you know, everybody is is looking at how things are performing. You know, and the leading indicators you know seem to be showing good growth ahead, but they're showing you know much stronger growth than what we're actually getting. So by focusing more on the coincident, what things are going on today, you know, you get an idea of how things actually are. And, and I think that's a, it's a good reason to look at jobs. I think jobs are probably the most important indicator that we got. So if you could pick one, it's not going to be inflation, it's not going to be auto sales, it's not going to be homes, it's going to be jobs. Yeah, and definitely. And, you know, there's a lot of volatility in a lot of the other components. I mean, you know, for example, right now with the weather, people are blaming the weather for a lot of problems. And, and granted, I'm in Chicago, and, uh, you know, I wasn't able to get into the office today because the weather prevented me from getting out of my neighborhood. But... You know, in all realistic, I mean, it's not going to affect the job market so much I mean, unless you're in a specifically outdoorsy type environment like construction. Most services shouldn't be affected at all. So, you know, the fact that you blame, you know, things on these seasonal problems, you know, and these, these shocks, so to speak, I, I don't buy it. You know, you'll get a shock in, you know, the housing numbers, you'll get a shock in auto sales because people don't want to be outside to buy a car, but, you know, your everyday person isn't going to see that, and that's not going to be reflected in the job number, at least I don't think it will. So, you know, I still see relatively normal job numbers, regardless of the economic performance is being affected by some outside shock. Okay, so you basically said, and I'm putting words in your mouth, that you, you don't see a big change. You still kind of see the story that jobs will come along throughout the year, slightly improving economy. Uh, is that about right? So we could expect maybe a, this dip in the market to be a buying opportunity? I, I mean, I, I can't argue on the market because the market has not been following economic fundamentals for the last few years. Okay. I mean, you've had other outside sources coming in to support the market that would, you know, not normally be there if the economy wasn't, you know, as poor as it was. So if we look at it just on the, the economy-wise, you know, what, what's going on? We're, we're in an environment that, 
jobs should continue to grow, and simply because you can't get more output out of the current workers. So if you want to increase output at all, you know, your productivity growth just isn't there, so you have to hire more people. And that's going to stimulate job growth. I mean, it's, it, it, that's the main thing. So you could have, you know, a fairly weak economy in terms of actual production, but I still suspect that we're going to get, you know, for the rest of the year, on an average of, you know, 175, 200,000 uh, new jobs per month. Now, you'll see some volatility, I'm sure, but that's just coming out just because the productivity numbers are where they were over the last couple of years, factoring in the fact that we didn't see much hiring. So, you know, that respect, I, I think the job situation is probably on an upturn, um, even if the economy is on a more flat to, uh, you know, weak growth trend. Quick question. I'm speaking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, ChiefEconomistBriefing.com. Great website, great resource, lots of information. Did you see the report yesterday out of the CBO on Obamacare and the Affordable Care Act not quite adding up to the cost savings and actually more spending than expected? Yes. Did, did you take anything economically speaking out of that, or is it a, a flashing sign, or are we just going to ignore it? Do you... The one, that, the headline that you're getting is, you know, two million jobs lost because of Obamacare, right. and basically that's calculated on the, uh, basically the CBO is determining that a lot of people are going to cut their hours because they don't need to work as much because either, A, they're working too much, they won't qualify for Medicaid subsidies, and if they don't qualify the subsidies, then it costs too much for them to be in, in uh, you know, to, to afford health care, so it, you know, makes them better off to cut hours. Others is that, um, you know, you don't need to work a second job because the total expenses of health care are lower, so you don't need to you know, work nights just to pay for health care when you, you know, offset it with everything else. You know, it's a very difficult projection when you project hours and then translate those hours into jobs. And remember, these aren't productivity changes. These are actual people just deciding by themselves that they don't want to work. Now, I mean, they could underestimate it. They could overestimate it. It's a, it's a very difficult concept to think about. But uh, in, in, in general, it makes sense. I mean, if you're giving someone a subsidy, you're going to work less, you know, just especially if that subsidy is tied to a specific amount of income that you have to get. So, I mean, you know, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting. It's kind of, you know, screwy, but that's what uh, the numbers are coming out today. It is interesting that when you give someone a subsidized health plan, it gives them an easier ability to quit their job and, those are things that people like you are smart enough to think about, not people like me. I just It's tough for me to put it all together. Um, that brings me to my next thought or question for you, Dr. Jeff Rosen. Um, I kind of live in a utopia. I live on the peninsula in the Bay Area, so I don't see poor people except for when I drive into San Francisco, and they're crazy homeless people. So I don't see a lot of you know what's really happening in the country. The I don't. Um, I kind of live in a utopia. I actually have to travel to see poor people. What's happening in the country? What what update would you give me for the guy who lives a sheltered life? Um, just the stories that you're getting in the newspaper are pretty much what it is. You know, there's a lot of talk about inequality, and you know, the question is, and this is a question that hasn't been answered conclusively in any direction: is does inequality, other than the social problems of inequality, does inequality have economic problems? You know, is there, you know, is the economy bad because, you know, a lot of people are rich and, you know, or a few people are rich and a lot more people are poor? 
and the arguments, you know, are inconclusive. So from an economic standpoint, you know, it's not as bad as what the media is making it out to me, in my opinion. I think that uh, inequality is a social constraint, and you could have definitely, uh, you know, civil uprisings because of it. But uh, economically, I, I haven't seen much evidence that says that it's a bad thing or it's harming, um, you know, the current economic situation. That said, you know, morally, you know, what are people thinking? You know, you, you have a, the end of the uh, – the emergency unemployment benefits, which is going to really kick in this month when you have uh, – I have a big feeling you're going to have a big drop in the unemployment rate because a lot of people just stop looking for jobs. And, you know, and that's a real problem, you know, and, and that's real income. And, and that's, that's a question that, uh, you know, we're going to see, and you're going to have to see how the Fed handles that. Anything that you're working on, Dr. Jeff Rosen, that we should be aware of other than jobs? It's jobs, jobs, jobs. I mean, the, okay. the Fed came out with the New York Fed came out with a report, and I should, probably shouldn't say it's the New York Fed, but researchers at the New York Fed came out with a report uh, a couple of days ago that's getting a lot of press about um, taking into account the aging of the, of the demographics and how that's affecting uh, overall uh, unemployment rates. Basically, saying that the unemployment rate is only down by you know, by I think I want to say it was like one and a half percent from where it would be because of um, the demographic situation. So, you know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think that it seems um, too good to be true, to be honest. I think there are more discouraged workers out there than than that report would suggest. And, and I think that uh, come Friday when we get the actual January numbers, there's going to be a lot to pick through, especially since this will be first, you know, Yellen's first look at how the labor market is with, the, you know, on her watch. And uh, we'll see what she decides to do in, in early March on their first FOMC meeting. That brings me to my final question, the Janet Yellen Fed. Um, tapering seems to be causing some people to freak out, some world economies and their currencies to kind of get dynamic and start moving. Is there that much correlation, or are we making, are we making that correlation? We're making it happen. You know, there is correlation, but I don't think it's a correlation that, that the Fed is going to care about. You know, the Fed's primary job is to – you know, maximize employment and minimize inflation at some specific target, regardless of how everybody else performs. And the fact that, you know, you're tapering, which theoretically should increase interest rates a little bit, which would then move people out of, you know, a more risky environment back into U.S. Treasuries, you know, I don't think that's on the Fed's radar. I don't think they really, you know, care too much that Turkey is having problems or that Argentina is having problems or, you know, any other place outside the world. And remember, these are really small countries, and they have really small, um, you know, trading, bilateral trades with the United States. So I, I just don't see that type of stuff influencing the Fed's mind at all and what they plan to do. Thank you very much. Go enjoy your snow day. It's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. Great site. Everyone who works there I admire. Top-notch brains. Independent live market analysis. U.S. international markets. Big, small, large, hyper, slow value. They cover it all. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. AM 1220 KDOW. Stocks are falling for the third time in... You'll never see on screen. Not very pretty, but we sure know how to 
listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Welcome back again. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Pretty fascinating thing happened last night on Comedy Central. It's a very strange world we live in where people under the age of 35 get their news from Jon Stewart and Stephen Colbert. But two members of the anti-Putin performance group, Pussy Riot, they're in the United States right now, kind of doing a media tour during the Olympics and before the Olympics. And they've kind of become the darlings of the American press. If you get a chance to go to Comedy Central and take a look at the interview that Stephen Colbert did last night, it's one of the best interviews I've ever seen in my life. And generally speaking, that's pretty impressive. Um, It's remarkably heartwarming. It basically shows you everything that's wrong with Putin and Russia. Keep in mind, there's a lot of people in the investment world who want Russia to fail. There's a lot of people who want it to succeed. There's a guy who does a radio show that, you know, a couple years ago, he was like, oh, you got to go buy Yukos Oil, Yukos Oil, Yukos Oil. And that stock went from 16 down to zero because Putin basically said, thank you, I'll take all that oil. You go to jail. That's not capitalism. That's not socialism. That's probably not communism. That's just pure dictator. That's a bad guy. So if you get a chance to watch the Colbert interview, you'll see why I don't do Russia. I I pass on that country. But these two young women are amazing. And I kind of want to point it out to you because you want to see this interview before it goes away. And you can go get it at Comedy Central and check it out. Or just Google um, Stephen uh, Stephen Colbert Pussy Riot interview. Um, the appearance was so popular, they refer to it as the funniest um, interview ever. And it's not done, it's got a translator, and the translation is what is fantastic. Um, these two women spent two years in jail for basically performing an art song. And, you know, they spent time in a jail where the conditions are considered, you know, miserable and cruel. And they're still confident, witty, persuasive. Um, we should all strive to be that in communication. We should all strive. So anyway, um, I hope you enjoyed my Dr. Jeff Rosen chat. Uh, this hour was a little bit different than the first hour. I tried to go out of my way to show you that Dinobots and the Transformers franchise and Time Warner and Universal and Comcast, they create media. I tried to show you that, you know, darlings like Netflix and even Chipotle, they have bad moments. It's Will they get back up or not? Can they get back up? Coach looks dead to me. Long live Michael Kors. And I used to like Coach. I've moved on. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. You know, Dinobots, and the whole idea of Transformers and robots going into uh, a robotic transforming character, it's pretty fantastic. Dinosaurs and robots are two of the boys greatest things ever when you combine them. And then I did that piece on Buffalo Wild Wings where, you know, what they're trying to do is beer, sports, and chicken wings. And that's like three things that all men want and, you know, need to live. 
so sometimes I, I take some odd tri- odd angles, um, and I know that. So grasp it. But I promise you, if you re-listen to the hours of radio today, the two hours that I did, you'll learn something. Did you pick up when Dr. Jeff Rosen said it's all about the jobs? It is. Corporate profit growth has been has its best showing in a year. Corporate profits growing 7.4% right now. And Wall Street doesn't care. It's a damn good number. It's really, really good. Now, we don't care because we're like, yeah, jobs. On occasion, we'll get like this, like South Africa or Turkey's having problems. But it's, it's really about the jobs in the United States. So know that unless you think we're going to 10% unemployment forever, that you want to be an investor. Because this market survived 10% unemployment. This market's rocked and rolled. Someone, Saul, called in today and said, thanks for, you know, I'm now putting 20% of my 401k. You know, thank yourself, not me. I just do this because I've got, you know, daddy issues. So I need to thank you. Because I do kind of want to go hunting with my shirt off and ride a horse. I know, I know. I miss that part of my childhood. Um... This is an interesting time to look at jobs because of the weather. So it's not going to be easy at times. But again, if you learned one thing about the show today, what would it be? Would it be that Dinobots are coming? Would it be that I think um, Dr. Eric Schmidt has one of the coolest jobs in the world and his ability to tell his wife that he's going to have a girlfriend and everyone's going to be happy is kind of odd? Or how about my satirical cynical look at CVS deciding to ban tobacco. Drop in the bucket. Should have been done years ago. It's not going to hurt tobacco companies, but you as a healthcare company, you, you should have done this in the first place. So Google settled an EU antitrust probe, and that's that's a cute story. Um, then there's another story out there today tied towards you know a bank making a big settlement over bad mortgages that they issued. J.P. Morgan Chase paying a fine of $614 million on bad mortgage issuance. And both those stories, Google, European, antitrust, evil headline. That's the type of evil headline you want to have. If I'm being, if like I'm playing Monopoly tonight and I got 99% of the board and I'm being investigated for being a monopolist, the problem means I'm going to win that game. If J.P. Morgan could pay a $614 million fine, it probably means they're going to win that game. Oh, we don't have the money to cover that. That's not the response. Anyhow, anyway. Strive for your best. Uh, go check out that Colbert Report uh, YouTube uh, Comedy Central interview with Pussy Riot. Fascinating. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air if you want to wait 22 hours. Otherwise, find me online at robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. 